This podcast brought to you by ACIS, the American Society of Information Science and Technology, the Society for Information Professionals, by the IA Summit, the premier gathering place for information architects and other user experience professionals, by Boxes and Arrows. Visit boxesnarrows.com slash about slash participate to be a part of your peer-written journal. And special thanks to Axure and Moray for sponsoring Boxes and Arrows, as well as the many other sponsors of the IA Summit. So today we're talking to Samantha Bailey, the uh, chairperson of the IA Summit in Memphis this year. Um, she is a new mother and the baby ended up coming early and so we're going to do a little chat with her about the, the summit in general, um, about her early motherhood uh, and she's going to let us know kind of what she wants us to keep in mind as the summit happens this next week in Memphis. So hi Samantha, how are you? Great. Glad to be speaking with you. Yeah, thanks for taking I'm the time. I'm very sorry that I'm going to be missing the summit, but excited <laughs> for everyone who's able to attend it. Well, we're really sorry too. I mean, we we definitely know how hard you worked for to get the summit ready and, you know, uh, we know it's a ton of work in and of itself, and so the fact that you did it um you know, being uh, pregnant the entire time is really a testament to your dedication to the to the community. And so we really appreciate that. Oh, well, thanks. And I wasn't actually pregnant the entire time. When when uh, Dick asked if I would like to uh, be the the chair for the summit this year, I was not actually pregnant. And, and uh, right. didn't re- so it was a, a little bit of, uh, um, caught us a little bit off guard in terms of when, once we got the very good news and exciting <laughs> news that we were expecting, uh, we dug out the calendar and uh, looked at it and realized, Holy cow, our timing really couldn't be too much worse. Our little baby is due about two or three weeks after the summit is over. Mm. And, uh, and, and then, you know, we went on to uh, select Jen Bomback and ask her to be our co-chair right. uh, so that I would have some support and that we would make sure that there would be somebody who would be able to represent uh, kind of the, the chair and the organizers uh, at the conference. Uh, if I was not able to attend, and it, you know, as time went by, it became apparent that it was highly unlikely that I would actually make it to the event itself. Right. And then, of course, we were further caught off guard by the fact that the baby came six weeks early. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, uh, the the fact that everything seems to be going well, we, we're really happy to hear that. Um, can you do me a little bit like a let's take a little bit of a step back and and maybe go back to before last year's summit, um, you know, and talk a little bit about when Dick asked you what you were thinking and how that kind of is, has evolved into what the summit has become into what's going to happen next week. Sure, I would love to. Uh, as you know, this is the 10th anniversary of the summit. So I was really excited when Dick approached me about being the chair because it's a, you know, kind of an important milestone. You know, I certainly think that when the summit started a decade ago, um, you know, people like Lou Rosenfeld and Peter Morville and um, early organizers, certainly Dick Hill, had a lot of high hopes for information architecture as a discipline and for the summit. Um, but at that time, you know, it was hard to imagine that we would actually, uh, you know, what what it might look like a decade later. And right. so it's exciting to be here a decade later and to have this conference have become, uh, you know, it has become such a sort of 
seminal event, and it's an event that I think a lot of us look forward to every year as an important opportunity to sort of recharge and refresh. I know that I use the event both for kind of networking and reconnecting with people, but also for re-energizing myself about the field and about the discipline. Uh, I always know that when I come home from the summit, I'm going to be re renewed and refreshed in terms Mm -hmm. of why I do information architecture and what I think is so valuable about user experience design. I'm going to have a lot of new ideas and things that I want to read. And so um, in thinking about being the chair this year, I really wanted to figure out how do we come up with an event that allows us to, you know, Uh, celebrate the fact that we've made it a decade, (laughs) we've been around for 10 years, Um, but also not have the entire theme be devoted to looking backward, be very much focused on where do we go from here, how do we make sure that the next 10 years is as enriching and as exciting as as what we've experienced so far. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I assembled a relatively large committee this year, wanting to get a lot of input from uh, people who run the gamut from uh, consultants to practitioners to folks who work really more kind of in the business management side of the community. And so I assembled a relatively large committee. Um, We came up with a theme, Expanding Our Horizons, with the, you know, the idea sort of of horizons, this notion that uh, you might be kind of both paying attention to where you've come from, but you're really also looking towards where can you go. Right. Uh, and we also started talking about um, what, how we wanted the program to reflect that and to unfold. And so mm-hmm. I th- think that there's kind of three sort of critical aspects that shaped the program. You know, the first is always, you know, the selection of the keynote is uh, an important part of any event planning because it really shapes um, the theme and kind of kicks off how uh, how people are, are likely to sort of perceive uh, the event. And then there's the selection for us of the, the closing plenary speaker, which uh, has really evolved very nicely in the summit to um, become, you know, we, we've got this pattern now of selecting somebody from within the community who's highly respected, who's a, a deep thinker. Um, and so we've got this nice bookend where we're opening the summit, ideally with somebody who really has something to say about information architecture, but isn't necessarily an insider or part of the, um, you know, kind of standard community. Mm -hmm. And then we're bookending it on the other end by closing it out, hearing from somebody who really is one of us, uh, and ideally somebody that we really uh, respect and, um, you know, feel has a lot to say. And so that was kind of the selection of those two speakers were a really important part. And then figuring out what kind of shape do we want to give to the program in the middle that, you know, the program itself really making the conference and really making up, you know, the bulk of the reason that people want to attend and and the most, you know, what they're going to get out of it. Right. And we decided this year to formalize the management and business track, Uh, management and business as a uh, separate part of the program is something that has been evolving over a number of years. Mm-hmm. And this year we decided to devote a separate track to it. Right. Um, 
and so that combination of picking out our speakers, um, looking to have our general sessions reflect a wide variety of topics related to information architecture and user experience design, mm -hmm. and really specifically encouraging people to submit um, presentations that would either be kind of looking back reflectively and or looking ahead. And I think we got some really rich uh, proposals doing both of those things uh, on the general track. Uh, some very exciting presentations on the business and management track. I, I feel like that track is poised to um, be very successful for, for the people who are uh, interested in that. We had uh, an overwhelming number of submissions. It was really tough. Uh, on all sides, it was, it, you know, as it always is, it's very hard to select presentations. You routinely are, um, you know, winding up not able to take everything that you'd like to take because you just don't have enough space. Um, but I think we were really able to come up with a very rich program. Excellent. Um, and, you know, talking about the bookends that you mentioned a little while ago, um, can you talk a little bit uh, about Michael Wench? Mike Wesch is a professor at Kansas State University, and it was actually Peter Merholtz's suggestion that we consider inviting him. Um, as soon as, as Peter, we, we had, you know, as you always do, we had kicked around a number of different names. We had talked about a lot of different people that we thought could be very interesting, uh, but we were struggling to, to hit upon, you know, the right person and also to... Um, you know, find somebody who was really going to, to fit and make sense with our event. Right. Uh, Peter Merholtz recommended Mike Wesch. And at first I did not actually immediately recognize his name. And then as soon as he, as uh, Peter was reminding me about his, uh, the, the machine is using us um, video, I was incredibly excited and kind of thrilled. And it was one of those things where you have that, I can't believe we haven't thought of this before, you know, so, you know, it's a really good idea when as soon as it, it comes to the front, everybody's like, how is it possible that we haven't thought of this? Mm -hmm. So um, we were, we're very excited about the, the fact that he is involved in uh, digital ethnography and I think is one of those people who is doing work that is really related, you know, directly related, directly speaking to what we're trying to do. Uh, in terms of information architecture and user experience design, and yet is separate enough to be really richly interesting and unusual and um, potentially the kind of keynote speaker who's going to be talking about things that we're not necessarily all thinking about every day or have already heard about. And, and that was what I was really hoping for with the keynote, mm -hmm. is that we'd have somebody who was would really be able to speak to the kinds of topics um, that the vast majority of attendees would find really compelling mm -hmm. um, and yet not be something that we've all kind of heard before or have already thought of. Um, I felt like we've achieved that many different times with a number of different keynotes in the past, and, and that was something that I really wanted to see us do this year as well. I had mentioned to, to Jennifer Bombeck that one of the things that um, I frequently think about when I'm doing this kind of work is that old saw about, you know, trying to fix the plane while you're flying the plane. And I think that 
the work that Mike Wesch is doing in terms of digital ethnography is, is exactly that. You know, he's working in this field that is evolving, it's new, it's rapidly changing. And so it's precisely the kind of uh, field and topic that is most difficult to be reflective about and to really step back and examine. And yet that's exactly what he's doing in his work. And mm -hmm. so, so um, you know, I think that that's going to, that he's just going to be incredibly interesting and, and the kind of speaker that uh, will really enable people to leave with any number of uh, ideas and topics that they want to chew on both over the rest of the weekend at the event and then throughout the next year after people leave the conference. It's kind of interesting if you look back over the last several years of speakers that we've, um, uh, the the kind of approach that you're taking where you're taking someone that might be somewhat outside of the normal information architecture set and bringing in the <coughs> excuse me and bringing in and having them do it there's an interesting pattern if you look back a few years in that um, last year was Jared Spool and you know you think you, if you really think about it he, he does mostly research um, focused but you really feel like he is part of the community um, but before that, there was Joshua Prince Ramos, who just really did an amazing talk. Um, you know, both men are amazing speakers in their own way. Um, but uh, Joshua Prince Ramos was, was maybe a bit of a surprise in that he made his talk so relevant to us. Right. Um, and then before that, you have um, David Weinberger, who again um, is tangential maybe to information architecture per se, but generally user experience people pay very close attention to what he says. So right. you kind of set up a very interesting um, pattern in that um, Michael Wesch will, will, you know, it's definitely somebody you're like, wow, that's really cool that what he did, but you don't necessarily understand what he does. And so <laughs> right. looking very much forward to seeing, you know, what he says. Yeah, yeah, I think that it will be a great talk. Uh, and then in terms of the other bookend, you know, I, I feel like Jesse James Garrett is exactly the right person to be the closing plenary this year uh, for our 10th our anniversary. You know, I think that I'm, I can't be the only person who looks forward to Jesse's kind of summation type comments that he so often makes during five minute madness, yes. uh, you know, and, and so it really makes sense this year when so many previous years he's approached the microphone and I've been like, Oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to, you know, get some amazing insight from somebody who always has uh something thoughtful and compelling to say. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so this year we're, you know, asking him to amp that up a little bit and, uh, you know, I, I think that that will be a really compelling way to, to wrap up the summit. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we could find the, the rec if there's recordings of Five Minute Madness from past years and, and put them together in preparation for that talk. I'll see if I can, ra I can <laughs> okay, wrap my hand around that idea. one. That's a good idea. Because you're right. The, I, I, one of the very first things I remember is hearing him at the 2005 IA Summit. And mm -hmm. he was like, get off your butts and I'm <laughs> paraphrasing um he was probably more definitely more eloquent than that but it was really um I still remember that moment because right. like the the collective like yeah let's go and yeah he's right we're kind of on our butts was very palpable um yeah. and you know 
people appreciate those those folks who stay quiet most of the time and time their comments um, so incredibly well as Jesse James Garrett does. So very much looking forward to that. Absolutely. So, um, you know, another interesting part of this is that it's not only the 10th anniversary of the summit. Um, today, actually, I believe is the 20th anniversary of the Internet. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, have you, has that come into the planning process at all, or is, is that just a coincidence? Um, that would, would probably be just a coincidence. I always, I usually think of the, the Internet more as kind of getting it started in 69. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, on, on my timeline, the Internet's about to be 40. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would still be this year. Yes, but didn't you just say 20? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just something that I saw online. So. Oh, I see. Okay, sorry. Um, so no, I mean we haven't we haven't talked specifically in the planning for the summit about uh, kind of the the history, but I think that everybody who does this work um, does pay attention to the fact that you know we are simultaneously always balancing being part of an industry that, on the one hand, is new and still evolving on the other hand is no longer in that sort of very fresh kind of infancy you know i think a lot of us who um were working with the web in the the mid 90s right. you know at that time felt like this is so fresh and new mm -hmm. and then we started uh connecting with other people you know I, i'm thinking for example of people who were doing human factors work I had any number of conversations with people between 1993 and 1997 where I was kind of like, I'm in this brand, I'm a pioneer in a brand new field. Uh, and there was some real truth to that. Yes. And yet I would connect with some of these human factors people who are kind of like, well, yeah, but you're repurposing techniques and methodologies and work that we've been applying um, you know, since the 50s and 60s and 70s. And then I think there are a lot of, uh, you know, people, for example, from the library field who would argue, well, wait a minute, we, we you know, the, the techniques and methodologies that we're contributing and that people are now uh, reusing and reshaping and applying to this new medium have been around for even far longer than that. And so, you know, there is this constant back and forth between uh, the fact that, you know, even in... The, I've, I've been doing this work now for, I guess, about 12 years at this point. Right. And there are so, you know, the web is virtually unrecognizable today from what it looked like when we started, mm. you know, when we were dealing with just this really rudimentary HTML and the level of sophistication that you encounter and the kinds of things that we can do as the web becomes, you know, ever more application oriented and as we be begin to introduce so many devices that allow us to access the web in, you know, from all different kinds of um, locations and all different kinds of ways, you know, it's, it's almost unrecognizable. Mm -hmm. And so we're constantly shifting and shaping how we do this work and how we apply it. And, you know, what does it mean to do information architecture, to be an information architect? Um, and yet at the same time, there are, you know, fundamentals that I think aren't 
rapidly changing. And yes. it makes sense for us to be well grounded in um, the various disciplines and industries that we draw from and to kind of look backwards at, you know, what have we been doing and, you know, that works over time. So actually, it's interesting. Um, uh, one thing I I looked this up. It's actually the um, 20th anniversary of the day that Tim Berners-Lee pitched the idea okay. of sharing labs <laughs> research on an open computer network. So it's the okay. World Wide Web. So the it, World Wide Web, yes. Uh, I, I misspoke, and I realize that's a uh, major faux pas in the <laughs> taxonomic ideal. Um, so I think you can be forgiven. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> the 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 next step of that, it's actually kind of interesting, is is this is still called the IA Summit. And um, it definitely still feels like a lot of people who call themselves information architects come. But it, right. it how, how did the fact that so many different disciplines actually come, there's many people that do interaction design and, and user research, um, and not really getting into the defining what the different communities of practice are. I mean, Andrew Hinton did a fantastic speech last year about you know, how we shouldn't identify with our practices. We should identify with um, each other in a, in a helpful way and not make it divisive. But how does the fact that, you know, it, it's the purity of the original idea, meaning you did a lot of taxonomy presentations and a lot of ontology talks and whatnot. Talk a little bit about how it's changed over the last 10 years um, and how um, the planning has been affected by the participation by so many different communities of practice? Sure. I, I think that um, probably the biggest change would be that in the beginning, it made sense to focus uh, more narrowly or more exclusively on information architecture because at that time, um, it was still being defined kind of as a discipline in terms of what do we mean when we say information architecture and what does that mean specifically in terms of how we apply that to organizing information in complex digital spaces. And, um, you know, so when we're talking about the web and when we're talking about software um, and, you know, back in the, in the mid nineties and even, even when the whole kind of crash happened in 2000 and 2001, mm -hmm. there was an ongoing kind of debate and discussion of, you know, what is information architecture and is it, you know, sort of a legitimate discipline in and of itself and is it even going to, to last? You know, and I think when, you know, I was uh, affiliated with Argus Associates and there were mm -hmm. a ton of other small boutique firms like Argus, you know, Hannah Hodge and uh, other firms. And as they began to really struggle during that, 2000, 2001 downturn, and so many of them went out of business, there was that kind of question of, you know, is information architecture kind of a legitimate discipline that's going to make it through right. this downturn? Mm -hmm. um, and so at that time, it made sense to be a little bit more insular, to be a little bit more focused on um, kind of setting up some boundaries where, you know, this is what is information architecture. And, you know, Here's, here's what's inside that boundary and here's what's outside that boundary. Um, the great thing is that as the years have gone by, it's become very apparent that information architecture is 
absolutely a legitimate discipline that's here to stay. It's a really important part of doing this work. Right. And so I think we don't have to be um, perhaps sort of insecure about that or, or defensive about it, right. which means that we can afford to expand the horizons and broaden them. Simultaneously, as the web has become more sophisticated, I think we have also been forced to really acknowledge that, um, you know, from the very beginning, most of us have said this is multidisciplinary. It's easy for us to acknowledge. You've, you've got graphic design, you've got development, you know, you've got content and writing and editorial, you've got organizing and, and taxonomy. And so it's been easy to say that it's, it's inter interdisciplinary. As time has gone by, we've been really forced to be more, tr you know, to, to really acknowledge it's truly interdisciplinary. And I think that that has meant even recognizing that the way that we do information architecture mm -hmm. requires us to look to how other disciplines in terms of, um, you know, you mentioned interaction design and certainly usability and human factors. Mm -hmm. um, and, and even from that perspective, you know, I think you could even talk about uh, marketing and some of the the aspects that kind of influence the way that we think about social networking. You know, we, oh, we've really had to expand our horizons to figure out how to best do this work. Absolutely. I mean, the interesting thing ab about the way you started that last, that the statement was we had to define. And I think, you know, in the end, that's the key is that when you're trying to define something, there's going to be overlap. Because you're you're defining it for yourself, so you have something to to hang your your hat on, and I think a lot of times we get so involved in um, codifying our definition as the absolute truth when that is never going to work. Right. And so I mean I you know I I have to to you know laud the community for for you know being mostly good at letting that go. I mean, you know, of course the discussion still will erupt on occasion on the mailing lists. <laughs> um, but they're, they're always interesting and um, um, for the most part composed in person. Um, and uh, the summit's been a, a great place for that. So, I, you know, I think that it's really worked out for the better of all the communities. Right. I would agree. Excellent. Just uh, want to uh, give give you an opportunity to to say something directly to the people about um, about the summit. You know, to to give them your like, hey guys, sorry to miss you speech. Um, but I want you. To, can you do two different versions? I want you to talk to the to the people who have been before, um, who who like were really excited to see you there. Um, you know, we're really going to miss you and Carl. Um, you know, you all have have really been. Um, great folks to be around. I mean, you know, I remember talking to Carl in 2005 again, and, you know, I still remember the conversation. Now, he probably doesn't because I was, you know, <laughs> at that point. Maybe still am. Um, but, you know, talk to the people who have been before and are, are already, like, well embraced in the community. And then let's talk a, li a little bit to the first-timers so that they can, sure. you know, feel the, w the great welcome of Samantha Bailey. 
<laughs> well, uh, the good news, I think, for both people who have uh, been before and uh, who are, are first timers is that uh, in some ways, thanks to the fact that our son Niles got here so early, uh, it actually means that Carl is going to be able to attend this year. And, oh, really? Uh, we, How exciting. We needed to, yes, we needed to wait until the last possible minute because uh, it really was based on both uh our son getting released from the NICU and us kind of getting home and getting settled enough to feel confident about him going. But we literally made the decision yesterday. Oh, uh, so Carl is going to be in Memphis. And uh, one of the main reasons that I can support him going is because I've told him that he has to be prepared to come home and tell me everything. <laughs> so, uh, so Carl will be there, which is, is exciting for both of us. That's fantastic. Uh, I, Obviously, I'm you know really sad to be missing this, and and it it is uh, painful to to miss an event that I did play a, a large role in working on the program with, um, and also just an event that I love attending every year. Exactly. But but I think that you know for people who go year after year, we go partly for the ideas, but we also go as much for the community and you know really reuniting with all of those people who I think you just often think of as these sort of long lost friends who even if um, you don't really connect in the course of the year, it's it's so wonderful to you know go to the summit and see all of these familiar friendly faces and have a quick conversation with people about what they're working on and what they're reading and what they're up to and maybe even what's been happening in their personal life, like <laughs> whether or not they had a kid. <laughs> um, and I, I think then for one of the things I love about this conference is that we always do attract um, a big chunk of first uh, time attenders. And sometimes that's people who are new to the field and who are, um, you know, just getting started in their career and they're really excited about it. Sometimes it's people who have kind of been doing information architecture or user experience define, uh, user experience design in a de facto way in their jobs for years, right. um, but are just beginning to sort of uh, acknowledge that or they're having their companies acknowledge that or they're starting to realize that, you know, wow, there's actually a, a community that uh, I could, could reach out to. And so you get that really nice mixture of... Um, New people who I think bring a lot of energy and enthusiasm and, and sometimes maybe find it a little bit disconcerting initially to, you know, come into <laughs> this event that's been going on for a long time where there are a bunch of people on the first day running around squealing about, you know, <laughs> how excited they are. It's a little bit like summer camp. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> reconnecting with people. And uh, I think that things like N-Forms, um, user experience trading cards have been a great introduction to the summit in terms of helping bring together those mm -hmm. two groups of the newcomers and, and the old timers uh, in this really interesting and, and fun way. Um, and the trading cards will be back this year. So I strongly encourage uh, first time attenders to dig them out of their uh, pack and, and be on the lookout for uh, finding the, uh, all of the, the pairs that you need to come up with a complete set of mm. training cards. Excellent. Now that, that has definitely been a, a good conversation starter because it can be, you know, it can be really hard to walk up to somebody, whether you know their name or not. Um, and, you know, just, you know, one thing that, um, you know, you just want to make sure that people do is talk to the people. Don't just try to get their card. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a good point. 
another way of striking up conversations with people uh, this year will be the Wall of Deliverables that Eight Shapes uh, has been sponsored has sponsored yes. last year will be back this year. Excellent. So another great opportunity both to show off and share your own deliverables, but perhaps even more importantly to see what other people are doing and. Um, kind of learn from them, be part of that discussion about how do we communicate uh, effectively the work that we do. Mm -hmm. uh, so the Wall of Deliverables will be happening. Uh, for people who are job hunting, there will be a career room where you can um, trade and share and post both job postings and resumes, uh, connect with people who are looking to hire. And despite the fact that, you know, it's a tough time right now uh, economically and, and job, you know, there's a lot of discussions about job markets being really tight. Uh, I have gotten emails from people who are inquiring about the career room who are saying, you know, hey, actually we have quite a bit of work. We are going to be hiring. And so for people that are looking for work, I strongly encourage them to take advantage of the career room. Excellent. Um, and uh, before uh, we sign off, I, ha I had a quick question. You know, we were talking a little bit earlier, and you were mentioning, um, you know, choosing uh, the name for Niles. Um, did you say that you actually card sorted for <laughs> the name? Did I detect that in the uh, conversation? Um, I, I don't think we could call it card sorting, but there were numerous lists on paper <laughs> and uh, it it did take us five days to uh, narrow that list down and interestingly the name that we ultimately selected uh, which is Niles was not one of the names that was uh, under consideration at low the many months that we were talking about possible names oh really dark horse yeah uh, it, it was a dark horse candidate, absolutely, partly probably because Carl was so uh, committed to both Wolfric and Cuthbert uh, for so long. Um, How did he let them go? It, you know, I have to say that all I really can say is that it was incredibly fortunate that I was able to, to fight that off, even with the morphine haze that I was in. <laughs> because there was a point at the hospital where I was feeling a little bit weak, and I was thinking that I might just settle for Wilfric, but I'm happy to say that, uh, that ultimately we went with Niles. I have a feeling that Niles will be thanking you for a very long time. And, <laughs> and you heard it here, Niles. Your mother saved you. Um, so, uh, Samantha, do you... Uh, uh, have anything to say? We're going to post a picture of Niles right now. Um, you know, everybody say hi to Niles. Welcome, <laughs> and we'll see you next year, right? Yes, and I, I will. Uh, I'll send you a picture of Niles that's a little bit bigger than the uh, the picture that's posted on the website, which right. was his actual very first photograph. So oh, uh, I'll send you a picture where he's actually wearing clothes. Well, with you, we want one with me, mommy and baby, and you know, we'll, Carl, we'll even get Carl, Carl pause, into exactly. the picture. Okay, so uh, anything else you want to say to the folks before we sign off? I just hope that people have a wonderful experience. Well, thanks a lot, Samantha, for all the hard work you've done. Congratulations for uh, Niall's arrival. Tell him we said hello, and uh, we'll see you on the flip side. I will do that. Thank Take you. Care. To hear even more presentations from the 2009 IA Summit, point your browser to boxesandarrows.com and click on the podcast link. There you'll find access to the iTunes feed and more information about each presentation. Our heartfelt thanks to the organizers and sponsors of the 10th Annual IA Summit, the presenters, and of course to the global community. We look forward to feedback about future episodes that will be of greatest value to you, our listeners.